Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Give Jimmy a round of applause. I mean, don't you appreciate this guy? I haven't made fun of him in a long, long time. Man, I appreciate you, though, seriously. And uh, we're going to talk about godly leadership, and that's why people like Jimmy and Phil are so important, such a blessing uh, to me personally and to our church. When was the first time when you felt like you were on your own? Was it maybe when you were riding a bike and, and your, your mom or your dad or your big brother let go of the handlebars? I got this. I'm really, I'm really doing this. This is amazing. Or maybe it was when you got dropped off at school. Hey, I'm on my own here. I'm in kindergarten, but I'm on my own. Maybe it was a lot later when you went to college and your parents just dumped you off and left you. That's really a great day, Mom and Dad, if you haven't done that yet. That's, that's exciting. Um, you're like, hey, they can do this. And uh, I remember Julie and I driving off after dropping off our oldest, and we're thinking, we're supposed to be sad, but we're not sad at all. We're thrilled. He's going to have a great time. This is going to be a great experience, and indeed it was. He met his wife, and uh, he's got some godly friends from that era, and it's really good. But there are times in your life when you are on your own, and you're thinking, am I really ready for this? Am I really prepared? Am I making these decisions? We had our first child, uh, Will, um, kind of a difficult birth. We were in the hospital. Julie was in the hospital for a few days. Um, and all these experts are taking care of him. They're wrapping him in a certain way, and they're doing things a certain way. And, and, and Julie had done lots of research. I had listened to her tell me about the research, about how to take care of a baby. And we talked to older you know, mothers and dads and but it's suddenly, they come to the day and they tell you, you're going, to, you're going to go home. And inexplicably, they give you the child. And they say, you get to take care of this. And I'm like, we're not ready for that. You guys have all these special ways you do stuff. I remember they would wrap him up and swaddle him up. I, I was like a football. I mean, you couldn't get that kid out of there. You had to work hard. I was like, man, I don't know if we're ready for this. We're on our own with it. We're responsible for this child. Praise God he grew up and he's doing great. But um, there's times in our lives when we are on our own and we've got to make our own decisions and we have to choose our influencers. The title of what I want to talk to you about today is called, it's called Influencers. And who, is, who are the influencers in your life? Who do you give access to to listen to spiritually especially. Who, does, who gets that and how do you determine that? It's so important that we get this right. You know, there's, there's this uh, new thing called a social media influencer. And if you want to get your product out and you want to build your brand, you get certain people to put it on their Instagram or whatever, and, and that's how they build their brand. Those are called social media influencers. Well, we need some good spiritual influencers. And we're in the book of Acts. We're returning to our study in Acts. We should finish it up this summer. 
We preach through major sections of Scripture in this church, and we will get through the end of Acts in the next, well, probably by the end of the summer, as we consider this whole story of how the church began and how it developed and the different ways that God worked through the church. So we're in Acts chapter 20. We'll begin in verse 17. And let me just give you the context a little bit. This is where the Apostle Paul has been traveling around. He's made three missionary journeys. He's on his third journey. He's had a huge impact, started many churches, and uh, he is coming to a place called Miletus as he is traveling back to Jerusalem, the birthplace of the church, before he hopes to go to Rome. And he feels like his work is done in this region, and he is in West, what is now western Turkey, really in the region around the, um, where the seven churches from the Revelation are, are, at, are located. So he's in, um, so in chapter 20, verse 17, he's in a place called Miletus. Let's pick up the word of God there. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Have you ever been called in for a meeting? Called into the principal's office maybe? Or more likely, you've been called in by someone who really wants to speak into your life. Maybe it is that point where you're dropping your child off at school and you're giving them that speech, you know. Okay, now I want you to be ready. Get ready. Get, make good friends. And that's really what Paul's doing. He's calling the leaders of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, and he's giving them kind of a farewell address. He's saying, I'm going to leave you. You need to be ready. So he calls for the elders, and it's about a two-day journey. And the key leaders of Ephesus come to Miletus to meet with Paul and to hear what he has to say and how he wants to direct them. And Paul's going to give them kind of his final instructions, or maybe his summary instructions. And the instructions are about leadership. How are you going to be leaders and how are you going to choose leaders? I think it's very helpful for us today as we consider our influencers and who is leading you, who are you listening to, and how you determine that. So we're in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. The first thing he says is your leaders really need to be authentic, authentic. He says this, And when they came to, that, to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. Here's what Paul's saying. You know how I was among you. Now, he's going to give them instructions on how they should be by looking at his example. This is what I did. He's not trying to make himself look great. He's saying, just remember the example, I lived among you intentionally in a certain way so that you would be able to do that as well and so that other leaders would follow my example. And he gives them three things that he did as he lived among them. First of all, just his authentic uh, nature. He says, listen, he says, look, he says, I lived, you with all, I lived among you with all humility. Humility. Humility is not easy sometimes for leaders, right? Well, the reason I'm a leader is because I'm great, right? You would never say that. You would never hear someone ask, but sometimes that's kind of how we carry ourselves. I'm really great. I'm really important. I love this. There's an old um, preacher story of a young preacher. He was up and coming, 
really thought he had a great voice and talked like this and he was ready to take the stage and he's coming in and he's kind of arrogant and he's kind of prideful but he's really sure of himself and, and he mounts the stage and he's at a, a pastor's church who is a lot older and the guy's getting ready to retire. He's sitting on the front row and the young preacher gets on stage and he starts to hold forth and he's brilliant and he's given all kinds of brilliant words and big words and he feels really good about himself and and it kind of starts to fall apart. I mean, it just doesn't really work. The people aren't getting it. There's a disconnect. Uh, people are kind of tuning out. And he can start to tell that because you can sense that from the pulpit. And he's like, man, he starts to stumble over his words and he starts to forget things. And, and he just kind of all oh, just turns into a disaster. Finally, mercifully, it's over. And he sits down. He goes down from the stage. He sits next to the old pastor and he says, looks at him, kind of dumbfounded. What happened? And the old pastor wisely looks at him as well. If you had gone up like you came down, you would have came down like you went up. In other words, if you had gone up humbly and in humility, you would have come down a lot more joyfully. Instead, you came up thinking you're something, and you were proved to not be very much. Well, God has a gracious way of doing that, doesn't he? Right when we think we've got it under control, he reminds us, you don't really, you're not really as sharp as you think you are. It's important for leaders, for you, and for the leaders that influence you, that there's a humility about them. That I love how Paul said, listen, of all the sinners, I'm chief. I've sinned more than anybody. I've, I've killed people. I've had persecuted people for the cause of Christ. I've, done, I've been so prideful in my knowledge and my education. I, he says, all the, all the, all the sinners, I'm, I'm chief. I love that humility. If you're going to be an authentic leader, you're going to have to have a humility of understanding that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We're walking this journey together. Then he says, not only with humility, but with tears. With tears. doesn't mean that we need to be crybabies and that we need to be crying over everything. It just means that we need to be real emotionally. He knew them well enough to actually know what would make them cry. He knew their hurts. He knew their joys. He knew how to, how to have tears of joy. That your leaders and you both should have this sense of, of connectedness that you're going to know what's wrong with people. You're going to hurt with them. You're going to celebrate with them. See, an authentic leader is humble, but also is emotionally engaged enough that there will be tears. He says, remember, I walked with you in humility, and I walked with you in tears. And then he says, I also, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So it wasn't just humility, it wasn't just tears, but he said, I walked through some very difficult times with you. And if you're going to follow a leader, if you're going to follow an influencer, they need to have done something, need to have achieved something, need to have gone through something, need to have uh, weathered the storm, need to have taken on opponents because the Jews were the opponents of the day. Um, the Jewish leaders. And Paul says, I walked this way because I wanted you to see what my life was like. I didn't want to hold you back from that. I wanted you to see what it's like. And it's not always easy. 
it can be very difficult. We're not immune from the trials, are we? So authentic leader also is authentic, but it's also very truthful. Very truthful. Paul says this in Acts 20, 20 through 21. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul taught them the difficult things. And I didn't hold anything back from you. Honestly, we all want to be encouraged, right? I mean, it's just great to be around someone who just says, man, you are awesome, I'm excited about all that God is doing. But you need some people who are going to tell you the truth too, don't you? You know what? Let me help you with that. I mean, what kind of a coach never corrects their players? What kind of an influencer never comes along and says, listen, this is what you need to change in order to achieve your goal, in order to be who God wants you to be? See, influencers are constantly doing that. You know, people move in and out. Many of you weren't born here. And you've had to do this. You've had to find new influence. And you had to find people who would tell you the truth. In uh, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I've told you everything that you need to know. I didn't pick and choose. That's why at our church we go through, in general, most of the time we're going through the entire Bible. We're reading, we're going through large sections of scripture, not avoiding the hard topics, not trying to, to make people only feel good, not trying to proof text. One of my key mentors and one of the people who've been an influencer in my life is Dr. Stephen Smith, a professor and pastor and author. And he talks about the pastor's role and how he needs to um, function with scripture and with the people. He wrote a book called Dying to Preach. And he says this, he said, the preacher will need to surrender to the text he is preaching. He must not be exalted above it, but submitted to it. He will also have to surrender to the audience. Their need to know the truth is more important than his desire to preach the truth. Finally, the cross in the pulpit demands surrender to the task of great preaching. He doesn't just show up. To just open God's word and say whatever he wants to say. He has prepared. They've worked at it. They've put a lot of time into it so that when they deliver God's word, it is something that God has already built into their heart. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work to present God's word accurately and to present it well. The pastor has to be underneath the text. See, when we come to God's word, and this is a real Bible, Actually, they're all real, but when we come to God's word, we say, this is my standard. This is what I am preaching out of. I'm not trying to make it say what I would like it to say, although many do that. I want it to say this. I'm going to, say, I'm going to find a verse that justifies the fact that I don't like you. You can find them if you take them out of context. We come to the text and we say, God, what does your word say? 
I want you to speak to me through your word. Because the text always means what it means. You've probably been in Bible studies before where someone would say something like this, well, you know, I'm going to read this word and this text, and I want you to tell me what it means to you. It doesn't matter what it means to you. What matters is what it means. It always means what it means. You may get a deeper meaning as you grow and you understand it. You may, not, may just kind of gloss over it the first time you read it, but as you read it and, and let it really get into your life, or maybe as you study more about it, you can get a deeper, but it always means what it means. It doesn't change meaning by who is interpreting it. It always means what it means. Now, hopefully when someone says, what does it mean to you, what they really mean is, how does it apply to your life? Applications change as that scripture is applied to your life. But it always means exactly what it means. Today, the scripture we're studying means you need to be very careful about who influences you and you need to be very careful about who leads your church. That's what it means. Now, the application to that is, well, how do we do that? Well, you need to be very careful about how you choose people. Whether you're a student, whether you're an adult, whatever stage of life you're in, you need to make sure whether you're moving to a new city, how am I, who am I going to be my influence or where is my church going to be? That's the application. It always means what it means, and your influencers have to be underneath the Word of God. God, open your Word to us. Let me see wonderful things. It always means what it means. And a pastor, a teacher, a mentor, an influencer needs to be able to open the truth and tell you the truth, especially when it's things that are not going to be popular. We try to be very faithful with that here at First Baptist. We want you to know what it means because it is the words of life. It is what saves. It's not my words that saves, it's God's word that saves. That's why we open it up and we proclaim it to you. So your influencer needs to be authentic, needs to be a truth teller, also needs to be committed. Needs to be committed. Look what Paul says in verses 22 through 27. Look, look at the commitment that he has. He says, Now behold, I am going to Jerusalem and I'm constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone, about, have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Look at what's happening here. Paul says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is moving me to go to Jerusalem. He's calling me to a certain place. And I'm committed to go there even though that same Spirit has told me I'm going to be persecuted. It's going to be rough. It's going to be bad. Let me ask you. Can the same Spirit call you to something and then it turns out to be hard? Does God do that? Does God do this? Can God tell you to go somewhere and it turns out to be really difficult? Jesus didn't say, come pick up your golf clubs and follow me, did he? He said, come take up your cross. It's a challenge. Anything that God calls you to do is going to be wonderful, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 
And Paul is committed enough to say, I'm going to go through with this because the Spirit has told me, you need to go and it is going to be difficult. See, difficulty doesn't mean that God's abandoned you, right? A challenging stage of life doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. You may say, well, you know what, I feel like God called me to marry this person, but this is really hard. Yes. Yes. Everybody that I know that's been married over 10 years can tell you there's been some really hard times. And if they haven't said that, they haven't spent any time together, probably. But they're not telling you the truth. It's wonderful, but it's a challenge. It's a journey. It's a walk. You're going to have to adjust some things. I love that Paul's commitment is so clear. He's put his very life at stake. He's saying, this message that I gave to you here at Ephesus is worth my life. Always be wary of leaders who are just kind of not really in it that way. It's just kind of a side gig, or it's something that's sort of important. You're looking for people in your life who they, have, they would stake their life on the message of Christ. So they're authentic, committed. They're truth-tellers. They're also protective. Protective. Look what Paul says in, in Acts 20, verse 28 and following. He says, pay careful attention. Now, every time you get a direct command, an imperative in Scripture, it's we really need to perk up and listen. This is what I need you guys to do. You are going to have to pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, which he obtained with his blood. The church is precious. Jesus bought it with his blood. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. He's moving from being on offense, this is what you do, to being on defense. This is what you must prevent. The church isn't just an organization or a club. It's something that is absolutely precious. It's been bought by Jesus Christ. And he says, you, you leaders have been placed here, not randomly, but by God himself. You have a responsibility to make sure that the sheep are protected. He says, wolves are coming. Wolves are predators, aren't they? They want to destroy. They want to take down the sheep. I love it how Jesus respond, kind of says the same thing, and I wonder if Paul's referring to this in Matthew 7, 15 and following. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits or, ga- or grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. It would be really hard to identify a spiritual wolf today because we all look the same, don't we? And we all, you can't tell. They don't come in in a wolf costume with a wolf head on and say, hey, I'm here to destroy you. That's not what happens, is it? They come looking like a normal person. They come doing their own thing. But Paul says, listen, you can tell by their fruit. What does he mean by that? He's saying, listen, what are the people around them like? 
Are they drawing people closer to Jesus or are they actually destroying people's lives? You know people like this in your life. You know that there are some who constantly want to help, but there's some who seem like they want to help, but in reality, you go away feeling further from God than you did when you came. There's so much of that that's happened through history. There's so many people who have caused problems and taken down people and not seen people grow and just been a problem in the church. Those are the wolves, and it's real. It's something we need to be aware of. But also, he says, there's those who are, who, who really, he says, come from among you who twist, who twist the word of God and draw people away. There's so many heresies, so we, we call that when, when, some, when people break, tear people away from the church, draw them away through false doctrine and, and twist the word of God. There are people who, one of the latest ones has been the universalist movement that says, you know what, everybody's going to heaven. God loves everyone. Everyone gets to go. Don't worry. Don't worry about sin. It's so sad because if that's true, Jesus didn't need to die, did he? Jesus died to save people from the sin, from the hell they deserve. Say, well, I don't. The Bible says all the sin that falls short of the glory of God. Jesus came to die for those who would receive that gift. If you're here today, you have the opportunity to receive that gift if you never have. One of the Jesus refutes this idea in so many statements, but one of them that's very chilling is Matthew seven twenty two and twenty three. Jesus says, "On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord." Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? Did, were we not like church people? Did we not look like, did we not have a church background? Did we not have something going for Did we not do a lot of good stuff? Then I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the only way for us to be saved in heaven is if we received the gift of salvation on earth. And that requires repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Very simple. It's an answer to an invitation. It's admitting that I can never get there on my own. It's saying, I trust you, Jesus, to save me. Not my good works, not the fact that I'm in church today, not the fact that I'm serving in church today, but I trust you, Jesus, to save me. He calls them to be protective against wolves and those who twist. And he also says, you need to be protective. You need to watch out for the greedy, verses 31 through 35. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I command you to, I commend you to God and to the, work, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus Christ, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul's saying, listen, I didn't come for the money. You didn't actually even pay me. I took care of my own needs. Need to beware of leaders, pastors, preachers, influencers who are really only in it for the money. And it has happened. And you know the stories. They're all over the place. They've been going on forever of leaders, pastors, preachers who have taken advantage of the flock and have been in it for the money. We need to be really careful about that. 
Now, most pastors could make a lot more money in the secular world. It's true. And they don't do it. We don't do it to make money. But you just need to be careful that there are some that do. I'm grateful to our church. They are very generous with their staff. Uh, But we're not in it for the money. We're in it because God has given us this call, this privilege, this opportunity. But it's not just preachers who are in it for the money, who are greedy. Sometimes people come into a church hoping to make money from the people in the church. And sometimes people will come and say, you know what, I'm coming in here because all these people are potential customers. And sometimes, um, honestly, it's been happening in almost any church is that people will come with uh, multi-level marketing schemes saying all these people can be my representatives. Listen, if that's your business, that's great, but please don't bring it in here. Let me be honest with you. It'll wreck fellowship, and you'll be asked to leave. just need to tell you. It's all right to do business. We should do business with each other, right? Normal business. And listen, if you are doing business with someone here and you hire them to do a job, you need to pay them. You need to pay them. That's their job. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I I know you're from church, so surely you're going to do this at a steep discount or you're going to do it for free. They got work. They They got only so many hours in the day. You need to pay them. If they want to give you a discount, great. But one of the great benefits of us doing business together is hopefully we're being honest and we're not cheating each other. Right? And if you work for someone in this church, you need to make sure you do a really good job. Be diligent for them. Don't try to be, don't be greedy with one another. Honestly, we should try to frequent the businesses of the people in our church because we, they need the business, probably. But don't try to take advantage of one another in that way. Paul says, be careful about the greedy. It can be a real problem in church life. And then Paul finishes his statement in verse 36, and they depart. And it just, just so illustrates how sweet their relationship is. He says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken and that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. They love Paul. They're going to miss him. And they no doubt recognize that now they're going to have to find another leader. They're going to have to themselves rise up and be leaders. It's a huge transition, and they're saying, wait a minute, we're in charge? Yeah, they're in charge. Churches and children grow up, and they have to be able to find their own influencers. Let me ask you, who are your influencers? Who are the people you read, listen to, watch, submit your life to? Because everybody has them. You're becoming like somebody. I'm so grateful for all the leaders and preachers and influencers in my life. Um, People like John Bazzano at First Baptist Houston, Texas has been an amazing leader for me. When I first came out of college, I went to his church for three years, and I listened to every sermon he ever preached pretty much and helped me grow so, so much. People like Henry Blackaby wrote Experiencing God, got to spend some time just listening to him, and more than anything, being around his humble, godly leadership. Who are your influencers? 
Are they authentic? Are they real? Is there a sense of humility, a sense of tears, a sense of being able to go through struggles? Are they truth-tellers? Are they committed? Are they protective? Who are your influencers? And who are you influencing? Because you're influencing somebody. Probably a lot of people. You may not even realize it. Are you humble? Are you honest emotionally? Are you going through some things and you go through it with other people? Are you a truth teller? Not to beat people up with the truth, right? Not to just go around being critical. You know, hey, you shouldn't have laughed at that. Hey, I saw you at that movie. Hey, you shouldn't. No, but being honest and living an honest life. Teaching, preaching the whole truth of God. Not just trying to get people to be your friend, but being a real person, a real influence. Are you that kind of an influencer? Or do you need to make some adjustments? Now, some of you might say, you know what, I can do this on my own. I'm a grown-up. I don't really have any influencers. I hope that's not true, and I doubt it's true. But it's amazing how many influencers you have in your life in other areas. I mean, a lot of you probably get some financial advice from time to time. When your car breaks down, you go get a mechanic to fix it, probably, unless you're a mechanic yourself. When, when you need something done that you don't know how to do, you're going to go get some help. You have influencers in every area of your life. When you get really sick, you eventually, most of you, do go to a doctor at some point. What would be more important than your spiritual life, your future eternally. You need to be intentional about choosing really good influencers, good preachers, pastors, mentors, leaders in your life. You need to evaluate who you are listening to, who you are reading, who you are taking in. Are they drawing me closer to Jesus? Or are they pulling me away? Don't let this just randomly happen. Be intentional about who you're listening to. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.